Today is Monday, October 10th, 2016. This is a special edition of Playing Politics, a podcast that we record here at WCCO Radio with members of the Minneapolis Star Tribune editorial board. I'm John Williams. Portions of this podcast will be heard on my show at 3.30. I'm Patricia Lopez, an editorial writer with the Star Tribune. I'm John Rash, editorial writer and columnist with the Star Tribune. And I'm not sure where you are listening to this podcast right now, but John, how can people find it on the Star Tribune website? StarTribune.com slash opinion. It also appears at WCCO.com slash podcast. Last night was the second presidential debate. It came on the heels of a wild weekend with all sorts of revelations. Patricia, where do we start? How did you think the debate went last night? Mm, we'll, well work backwards to the the videotape, but what did you okay. think of the debate? I think the debate um, reached a new low in American politics with uh, Donald Trump threatening to jail uh, his opponent. He said at first um, that he would have his attorney general select a special prosecutor. Um, and then when Hillary Clinton made a remark about his temperament and how she was glad he wasn't going to be in that position, he said, because you'd be in jail, um, which is incredible. I mean, we don't do that in American politics. Jail we our political yeah, opponents. Yeah, we defeat our rivals. We don't put them in prison. Um, so I think apart from that, it was it was a slugfest um, he pulled out everything but the kitchen sink, had lined, had tried to stuff the family box with uh, accusers of Bill Clinton from, you know, a number of years ago. That ultimately didn't work, but he did have a live um, Facebook press conference with them um, as a prelude to the debate. And I, I think we just saw a series of lies, deflections, and desperate attempts to try to get people's attention off of um, that audio tape from 2005. I think the debate debased our democracy and the entire electoral process, and I completely concur with Patricia in terms of when one looks back on this, the most significant uh, dynamic that took place was Donald Trump referencing the potential jailing of his political opponent. That struck you as the low point, too. Not just a low point in the debate, but a low point in the campaign and in our democracy. This is something that, as Patricia mentioned, happens in countries that we criticized routinely and roundly at the United Nations and in human rights forums. And not only do we, as Patricia mentioned, try to defeat our opponents, then we actually usually try to work with them and bring the other party along and achieve some kind of credible consensus to move the American public some forward. Some people wanted Barack Obama to, uh, you know, have some sort of war crimes investigation into the Bush administration mm-hmm. over torture and things like that. And mm-hmm. he wisely said that's not going to help or heal anybody. Right. Even after Nixon, you know, Ford pardoned him. We didn't try to throw him in jail. I almost wanted Hillary last night to just throw up her hands and say, you want to do another special prosecutor and pay more tax dollars investigating me? Five times mm-hmm. we investigated Vince Foster's death. Right. And actually, people are still talking about that this mm-hmm. spring, mm-hmm. that maybe Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton killed uh, Vince Foster. There were five investigations. All of them determined it was suicide. And from Mm -hmm. a broader perspective, I think that's one of the themes of the campaign that has so many Americans frustrated and perhaps tuning out. Viewership was down nearly 20 percent on early estimates last night. Part of it was competition from a better football game on NBC. But perhaps part of it was people that are deeply frustrated that they're talking about scandals of the 1990s or the most recent one from 2005 as opposed to the future. And Americans, I think, in many ways have heard enough. 
I think it's particularly notable that the um, debased aspect of, of the dialogue last night took place during a town hall format, where usually the presence of voters right there on the stage asking very sincere and often very good questions of the candidates is a temporizing influence where they will try and directly engage with them, try to empathize with them, and come forward with policy prescriptions that are going to help make their lives better. But why do you say then this was such a low point? Was it, Are you mad at the, the debate, the format, the moderators? Are you mad at Hillary Clinton for participating? Or are we only talking about Donald Trump here? I think I'm, that, I'm just going to come right out and say it. It was Donald Trump who dragged this into the mud by talking about things that you generally don't have to talk about uh, at a presidential debate. Uh, you know, we've had teachers who can't, you know, uh, recommend that their students listen to the debates because of the nature of the topics that are being explored. Um, a, a friend of mine felt compelled to go and sit with her teenage daughter during the debate because she didn't want her to listen to it alone uh, because of the topics that were going to well, come up. Well, the Republicans up. said that's good for democracy. People are engaged. To be talking about whether, uh, you know, a candidate should feel entitled to grab a woman by the genitals and to kiss her at will and to just, you know, engage in behavior that we would normally call uh, predatory. And Donald Trump exacerbated this situation by inviting four women who had accused former President Bill Clinton of past indiscretions as well and brought him into the debate, tried to have him sit in the family box, which the debate commission didn't allow at that point. So it's not as if he apologized, tried to move on, and tried to just focus on policy at this point. He also made um, the whole part of this dialogue, which has nothing really to do with people's futures, part of the current database. Well, how does it even have to do with Hillary's electability or competence? What is the, explain the dots to me and how we connect them from Bill's indiscretions to Hillary's uh, you know, being fit there, for the White House. There, there is no, there is no connection. I mean, you know, the idea that you would come after uh, a woman for her husband's indiscretions, indiscretions, by the way, you know, that Donald Trump was also guilty of in his marriages. Um, he wasn't faithful. It's just, it, it becomes nonsensical. Well, I mean, the only reason the you do it is to distract from uh, the issue at hand. Yeah. So I thought the saddest thing I would have heard this weekend would have just been some of the language mm-hmm. in the Billy Bush tape. Mm-hmm. And then he, the next day, issued that videotape apology, which said, I said foolish things and was taking a predictable course. And the last two or three sentences, though, is when he attacked Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. again. He mm-hmm. said Bill Clinton did worse and Hillary Clinton attacked those women and I don't know exactly what that means. Nobody does, because there's no, you know, real evidence of this. And and can I just say, you know, about that phrase locker room talk, which is what he used um, yesterday and said that he said foolish things. You know, that ascribes a level of unimportance to this that I think most women would disagree with, especially those who have been the victim of, you know, predatory uh, people and sexual assault themselves. It is not an unimportant matter to be dismissed so that we can get to issues. It is an issue. A lot of athletes today are actually saying we live in We don't talk rooms. like that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk that way. The company that makes Tic Tacs actually disavowed last night's debate or the comments that Donald Trump made in that bus. I mean, (laughs) Tic Tacs can't take it anymore. And here's the other point. You know, this is not, it's not a one-off. 
This is part of a long string of misogynistic statements and behavior by this candidate over decades. So the idea that somehow between ages, what was he then, maybe 59 and now he's 70. He was older than the current president. Right, right. 59 years old and his wife also We're not talking about a college guy who was, you know, maybe a little overhyped up from a frat party. This was a grown man in late middle age. None of it passes the smell test. Not only are you correct, that's really not how men talk in locker rooms. Um, Athletes are coming out and disavowing, but he wasn't in a locker room when he said it. No, he wasn't. He was with a live mic. (laughs) He had a mic pinned to his lapel, and he was in a suit on a bus getting ready to do a media appearance. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. none of this actually makes any sense by way of justification. Right. And it's amazing that on the very few times that they got to some substance, (laughs) you know, this got buried given all of the dynamics that we're discussing today. But as an example, when they talked about Russia to have the leader of the GOP blurt out, I don't know anything about Russia, you know, as part of his defense, that is usually not something that any candidate would ever want to say because, of course, Russia is front and center as an issue from a geopolitical perspective and even from our electoral perspective because just two days prior, the Clinton or the Obama administration had come out and directly accused Russian hackers of trying to interfere with our election system, which is as grave a charge, perhaps, as you can come forward I don't know with. why he's rallying to Russia's defense at every turn, but every he turn. said, we don't know that they're the ones that hacked the U.S., uh, the right. DNC, the RNC, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. when in fact, every body in the U.S. intelligence agency says it is certainly the yes. Russians. And now it's yeah. our official government policy. It's our it position. Was, mm-hmm. That it was the Russians so at this So why point. is he backing away from that fact? I, I don't know, but uh, Americans ought to be very, very concerned about that. What did you, go ahead. We don't know the depth of his connections with Russia, uh, but we do know that when he said uh, he has no business with them, we know that his own son um, several years ago said that they get an extraordinary amount of business from Russia. What do you make of the um, uh, dismissal of Mike Pence's observation about the party, the the ticket's position on Syria. He flicked him like a flea. You know, there is no question that if Donald Trump becomes president, he will be the architect of policy. He is not going to hand it over to Mike Pence or Paul Ryan He said, we haven't talked about it. I don't care. He said he just just dismissed it. And my understanding is Pence's people were really upset about that. So today he said, I'm so proud of Donald Trump, proud to be standing next to him. Now, Paul Ryan's not saying that today. But Paul no. Ryan is also not renouncing his support of Trump. All he's saying is that he's not going to actively go out there and campaign with him and that the House just has to worry about its own races. That's a that's a subtle but very important distinction. Well, Election Day is four weeks from tomorrow, and I think what's going to be quite compelling to watch is there were many Republicans over the weekend who not only condemned Mr. Trump's comments— but also said that they would not vote for him and no longer support him. But they were mostly from swing areas. The ones who are in safe seats did not do that. So, And, did you hear and those that, that are in those seats, including Speaker Ryan, as an example, you know, despite his comments today that he's going to focus on keeping the House majority and no longer defend Donald Trump, it doesn't mean that the questions are going to go away because, as Patricia indicated, The speaker has not said that he won't vote for the GOP nominee at this point. So those questions are going to to keep coming. So even those who condemned the video but still support him are still in a a very difficult political position. I don't know what Tom Emmer's position on that is today. Did either of you hear 
him say anything? I saw a list of Republicans who had gotten off the <clears throat> Trump bus, if you will, and one of them was from Minnesota, but I don't think it was Emmer. I... No, Kurt Doubt, um, the Speaker of the House, initially said that um, Trump should step out of the race over the weekend, but um, by this morning was praising Trump's debate of uh, performance and whether well, he... he's back on seems to be an open question. Representative Paulson has said he won't vote for him. Right. Paulson, yes. um, he did fight her to a draw last night. Would you agree with that, Patricia? No, I don't agree with that. I think, you know, again, uh, as with um, the previous debate between Pence and Cain, when you lie repeatedly and you misstate things You're really and you hung mislead, up on that fact thing, I, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. After all these years in journalism, I kind of am. I don't think I am not willing to award this uh, to him on either style points or substance. Well, I said he fought her to a draw. I think Pence won the vice presidential debate, not because he was truthful. And I think Trump actually was able to deflect and distract enough last night that he didn't do any more damage to himself. The at least relative when, you mean when he acknowledged that he used uh, nearly a billion dollars in tax write-offs to avoid paying taxes for years and years when he lied about his tax plan, where he said that it would cut taxes for the middle class when every study that's been done has shown that it would be a huge giveaway to the rich while increasing taxes for the middle class? I don't see how that can be interpreted as a win. Uh, part of it is because I think of the way Hillary played it. Hillary didn't swing for the fence last night, and I think that was wise on her part as well. She didn't need to win that debate. Mm -hmm. I would have seated all the time he wanted. Actually, they had 40 and 39 minutes, mm -hmm. so they had the same amount of speaking time. But I think she's wise not to try and win right now. She doesn't need to. Particularly when she, for the second time during these debates, has quoted First Lady Michelle Obama in terms of when they go low, we go high. And when you say that, you have to walk the talk. And so, you know, while she certainly criticized Mr. Trump, she did not, you know, go for that knockout punch, as you reference, partly because she's trying to position her candidacy. But when you're in the lead, you have the ability to do that, whereas Donald Trump is clearly aware that not only is he not in the lead, but there was a time during the weekend, post-release of the video and pre-debate, where the, it certainly was possible that the entire campaign would collapse. And so to the degree that he came out and at least shored up support, however limited that is relative to Secretary Clinton's at that point, he may have accomplished that. I don't know that it was within her ability to deliver a knockout punch. Um, Trump has proven that he will do anything he needs to do. Um, he will keep fighting. He will keep, you know, um, saying whatever needs to be said. So how do you knock out someone who keeps coming back up no matter what? I think they each have their constituencies, and I'm not at all sure who's going to win. Interestingly enough, that willingness to keep on fighting was the very trait that Donald Trump said that he most admired about Secretary Right, Clinton. and what was that a signal of? I'm going to fight, too. I'm not going to quit to all those people. That was a signal that he was sending. Um, I think that was very deliberate on his part. Hillary was at least nifty enough on her feet to come up with something that she liked about him. And she said his kids. <laughs> kids. And I thought, mm, that's a lie. Actually, I think yes. those children have turned out to be baby monsters and he's the daddy monster. But what do you say about that? I think the one thing that she might have said that he has done us a favor of is sort of shine a light on the division we have in this country. He has a powerful message, even if he's a flawed messenger. Mm -hmm. And the message isn't about all the things we've been discussing, but it's about whether he knows it or not, 
income inequality right. and, 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 you know, jobs and things like that. Yeah, the, the genuine frustration people have with yeah, he's feeling that they're that. not listened he's to. He's tapped that. Not, so, yeah. uh, that would have been a better answer. Mm-hmm. But she went with his kids, and that's a safe play. Now, there's discussion today that Mike Pence should uh, be the top of the ticket. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the machinations of that would be. But, John, you go first. Um, should the Republican Party try and execute a plan where Trump is actually kicked off the ticket? Indeed, and that's the editorial position that the that Star Tribune took, editorial right. board has come out with. And for many reasons, we think that that would be most appropriate. But more than anything, the country deserves to have two candidates who are co- truly ready to take the mantle of the most important office in the world and also deserves to have two healthy, competitive parties going up against each other. So, yes, I think the Republican Party should do that. But short of him deciding to step aside, that would be very, very difficult by most legal experts. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that, though, isn't that wrong in principle? You have some elites who are embarrassed by their candidate, and they've taken away the voice of the people that want Donald Trump. It's It's a process. Trump has won. Their own rules provide for, you know, replacing a candidate due, you know, to death or accident. But then there's a very interesting phrase that just says, or otherwise. That's never been defined. That's in the party's laws. Yeah, it's it's called Rule 9. Yeah, and it says, or otherwise. Um, It would be an extraordinary step. You know, tens of thousands of people, maybe more than that, have already voted in early voting. Millions of ballots have gone out with um, Trump's Trump's name name on them. That can't be changed. Um, on the other hand, I don't know that we've ever had a situation like this. In Minnesota, we have with uh, well, John Grunseth. So right. we, we've seen this movie and how it, it plays out. Mm-hmm. And remarkably, that entire episode of him getting in trouble for inappropriate behavior and then deciding to step aside a replacement candidate, Arnie Carlson, who, of course, eventually became a two-term governor, that all took place within about a one-week mm-hmm. window. And so we are four weeks out and yet still... Given some of the dynamics Patricia talked about, um, as of today, many more states will now have early voting or absentee voting and all that. It's That would be a very, very difficult thing to happen, have happen. And again, Donald Trump has been defiant and, and, and shown no willingness to step aside. So it seems unlikely at this point. But you're talking about the justice of it. And, and I think that deserves an answer. We've had a lot of time pass since the nomination was granted and um, things have been, keep emerging. So any hope um, that Trump would, as he once promised, become more presidential are gone. And so, you know, they bought they bought a bit of a, you know, they weren't willing to really see Trump the way he is. And I think that has emerged in the weeks uh, and months since then. And you have a number of those same Republicans who are working for him now renouncing him. So that that I think makes it at least a little bit easier. It's not as though you're talking about some pristine candidate where they just don't like the direction he's taken the campaign in. No, you have a not pristine candidate and stadiums full of people love the direction he's taking the campaign in. Mm -hmm. They cheered when he said, you'd be in jail, that little tiny audience they had there. I suspect in homes around America, they cheered when he said that. I think it's heavy-handed to pull the campaign out from underneath those people, as reprehensible as I find the candidate. What have you all heard about 
uh, uh, since. Well, you know, what what I mostly heard um, once I posted it was from uh, Clinton people who didn't want Trump to step out because they're they've convinced themselves that he's in a death spiral. And uh, I think some of them are quite worried that if he were replaced with just any kind of a more reasonable Republican, whether that was Mike Pence or Paul Ryan or, you know, someone else, that um, that that whole faction of people that won't vote for Trump because they don't find him acceptable would gravitate to any generic Republican and suddenly the race would be in question. Do you think, though, then you'd lose all the Trump voters, too? I mean, really, yes, have you, I'd, I'd is it a that, net gain? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't think there's any way to know that. And would part that, of it is depend. it would depend how it would happen and, and how... You know, Donald Trump viewed it. If if it was looked at that he was kicked off the ticket, you would lose a significant amount of people who are supporting Donald Trump, even if they support if they replaced him with his running mate, Mike Pence, at this point. But it's not going to happen, you know. And I think uh, to the extent that you said that, you know, he fought her to a draw, I, I don't, I won't concede that. But I do think he did well enough in that debate that it it allayed the fears of the RNC and this idea that they had to immediately, you know, put out this fire. So what then is next this week? Just look ahead a little bit, you guys. You Um, have another debate next week, so certainly there will uh, have attention turned toward that. There are some who say that, you know, there are, there's additional video or additional audio that may come forward, but... From The Apprentice, Yes, my sense is, is that Donald Trump will try to reassure and rally his base and Secretary Clinton will go particularly into the swing states where she now feels she truly can gain an advantage and make it an electoral lock on November 8th. So expect to see her back in Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, Colorado, states like that that truly will determine the next president of the United States. Yeah. Trump has already um, confirmed for everyone that he will continue this you know, aggressive tone um, and has said that there may be more revelations uh, about his opponent. So I think we're in for probably the nastiest few weeks we've ever seen. His opponent, Bill Clinton. Is that you're talking about? <laughs> well, sometimes it does seem that's who he's running against. He was mad it? at Martha Raddatz last night, too. Did she cross <laughs> the line of being a sort of impartial moderator? No, no, she did not. And I just want to say here that this is what happens when moderators attempt to insert themselves more forcefully into a debate. So previous moderators were criticized for not you know, not stopping the interruptions, not guiding it. You saw yesterday what happened when you get two journalists who follow up with sharp questions. Um, Martha Raddatz, I think, was determined to keep him on some kind of a track, even to the extent of repeating one of her questions because he did not in any way answer it. Um, Viewers are the beneficiaries of that. I think you can cross a line and be too forceful. I don't think either one of them did. Boy, they didn't talk about the, the word climate change came up, and I tweeted out, you know, the C word, hooray, climate change. Yeah. We're going to, it, it was addressed, uh, the Supreme Court um, op- opportunities were addressed. And when Donald Trump spoke about it, he spoke for about 15 seconds. He said, mm-hmm. we need to have another Scalia. Um, we need to defend the Constitution. He talked up clean coal. And, and he did. Yeah. Uh, but in, in the two-minute window that he had to talk about the Supreme Court justice, he said as much and then spent the rest of the time saying that Hillary didn't donate enough of her own money to the campaign. I, I'm amazed at the paucity of issues or real information we're gleaning from these things. Completely concur. I wrote about this in my column last Friday about the nuclear issue beyond North Korea and Iran, including, you know, whether we indeed are going to spend a trillion dollars over 30 years to modernize our nuclear arsenal, or if there are 
other ways to go about it. Some military people, to their credit, are bringing this as part of the debate and want a more robust congressional conversation, let alone a presidential one about this. But that's just one of many issues that is getting short shrift in this election. If nobody's figured it out yet, he doesn't have a lot of depth on any of these issues. He doesn't have positions. He doesn't have a plan for foreign policy. He has no idea what he would do with ISIS. His only answer on the health care plan was block grants. Um, you know, there's there's a paucity of information because he, he's not schooled in this and he has not schooled himself in it. And to the extent that, you know, I mean, Clinton could talk about these issues all day long, but every minute that she does that, she's not answering the charges that he's making. So so we've just wound up in a in a terrible place here. Well, I guess we're done for today. <laughs> But, you know, the, you, you talk about being done. So the debate ends. I was thinking about this. I wonder what it was like if Bill and Hillary Clinton shared a bedroom last night, a, a hotel room, wherever they mm. were staying. And she closes the door. And she just looks at him <laughs> and says, see what you did. Uh-huh. You know, see what you did. Well, and she's, she's paid the price all along um, for his indiscretions. And everyone knew that this was going to be one of the vulnerabilities that she carried into this race was her husband's past sins, um, which she had, she was nothing but a victim in all of that, as, you know, any spouse uh, who has cheated on in a marriage is, and some decide to leave, and some decide to patch it up as best they can, and they try to make their own peace with it, but she never gets to do that because... There's all, there are always people who will not let her be done with it. And it won't be done with the campaign if indeed she is the next president of the United States. <laughs> really? It's going to be quite compelling, you know, to see what role he, he takes plays. on um, as, as he's called it, first laddie instead of lady, he's joked. Um, but, you know, how he decides to use his time and how she perhaps decides to use him diplomatically as much as anything because he still is widely respected by many world leaders and has... He's deeply steeped in experience in, in a lot of hot spots. So I think she needs to be her own president, and it would be a mistake to put him in a really prominent position. It's not to say he couldn't advise her, <clears throat> although his advice lately I think has been pretty bad anyway. I mean, or yeah. at least some of the things he said and done. He spoke badly about Obamacare. Calling Obamacare a crazy plan. <clears throat> strolling that was across no the tarmac to talk to the attorney general. Some of those were just bad ideas. So perhaps the further on the back burner he can be, the better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's um, do it again next week. Thank you, Patricia and John. I'm That's Patricia Lopez and John Rash. I'm John Williams, and this is Playing Politics. <laughs>